Well, hello, darlings. I have missed you. I missed you last week. But I'll tell you what, Saturn stationing direct, exactly squaring my, well, pretty much exactly squaring my Mercury means that, you know, I are fumbly and a foggy uh, mess. <laughs> so, so last week, you know, for me to even try and speak words and still at the moment, which is really great for business, mind you, like it's just really fucking good for my business because all I do is talk and I'm right in the middle of recording all of my 2024 overviews. So it's just me talking at a camera while Saturn is motherfucking on zero degrees of Pisces, not fucking moving anywhere. So when everyone carries on, oh yay, Saturn's direct, Saturn's direct, mate, it fucking means nothing until he actually starts moving. (laughs) Like, you know, like I just, I love watching, you know, you know, all the hype and white noise on socials and just throwing my head back and laughter, darlings. I mean, it just makes me laugh and laugh and laugh because no one's really got any eye fucking deer and neither do I. But all I know is, is that Saturn's, yes, he's direct, but he is sat on zero, zero degrees of Pisces for like six weeks or something like that's a long time in his stationing his you know stationing direct then his direct motion so I mean at the end of November he gets to one degree finally and when we really start to look at that and so if you've got anything around sort of zero one two degrees of mutable signs I mean Saturn's having a little field day with us darlings and I must admit you know, when Saturn first squared my Mercury because I don't have a lot of mutable um mutable planets in my chart I'm loving Saturn in Pisces <laughs> you know I might be one of the only ones but I am loving it um, if you're a heavy mutable chart you are going through some very big Saturn lessons but darling I've already been there because sorry I'm just getting comfortable if you can hear me puffing and panting um I've already been there. Us fixed signs have already been there. You mutable signs have nothing to even, I'm not even taking you seriously (laughs) because us fixed signs had the eclipses. We have Uranus in, in, in Taurus. You know, we've now got Jupiter in Taurus, which is a blessing and which is beautiful. And then we had Saturn in Aquarius making those squares or conjunctions or oppositions if you're heavy fixed. So, I mean, a Saturn square and a mutable, look, it's it's a lot more of a walk in the park, I think. Let's just be honest here. You don't have Uranus. You don't have, you know, even Pluto, you know, depending on, you know, Pluto early degrees Aquarius, like it's a bit of a walk in the park. But, you know, the, the reckoning that Saturn will do is for the reward, right? And that's just how his cycles run is we get reckoned, we get rewarded, we get reckoned, we get rewarded. He is the karmic daddy, Mac daddy, you know, and I love him. I love Saturn. I'm a day chart. So and. And I've got Saturn exalted in his house of joy and I'm a day chart. So get to know your Saturn, get to know your Mars. If you are a day chart, which is sun above the horizon. So in houses seven to 12, you're a day chart, darling. So Saturn is your good guy. Um, Obviously, there are many, you know, factors in that. You might not have Saturn in a very happy sign or happy house or making great aspects. But the thing is, is that Saturn is your good guy. Whereas if you are a night chart, your sun is in houses one through six, you're you're a night chart and Saturn is your malefic. So um, us us day charters, we've got to get really good with Mars and, you know, and Mars is our outer sex malefic. So the thing is, is that we bo- we all have to have a good relationship with the malefics. Okay. And speaking of malefics, I mean, fuck, we're in Scorpio season. What a time October was. Um, I mean, I actually personally 
pretty much put it down to my favourite month of the year. So, I mean, I'm probably the minority, but eclipse season for me, the eclipse wormhole in particular was so delicious for me. I mean, I was present, I was grounded. It was really quite sublime. And you know, we are in still in eclipse season. Please let me shout that out on a megaphone. We are still in eclipse season. So again, all the people going, oh, how was eclipse season? How how are you now that it's over from non-astrologers? It's not over. <laughs> you know, it is not over. Um, it isn't over until the 13th of November when we move into the new lunation and the thing is is that November is still a bit of a hard-hitting month you know you will hear some good astrologers out there speaking the truth I mean which we can you know which it's it's a level of reverence and commitment for true astrologers to bring through what's really happening you know we're not gonna well certainly you know that about me I don't piss in people's pockets I'm not about blowing wind up your ass to, to fairy tale everything to make it feel better for you know Reality for me is grand, you know, it's brutal, it's beautiful. The plethora of reality I am invested in, I am engaged in, I bow down to, I it humbles me. I don't need to pretend, I don't need to be anything I'm not, I don't need to share weird astrology updates that aren't real. I just want to get everyone plugged into the cosmic. That's what I want. That's what I desperately desire is for everyone to understand the cosmic workings of the universe, you know, and to be able to then work with them, create with them instead of, um, you know, something that one of my uh, 2024 panel uh, members, beautiful numerologist Sarah Yip, um, you know, because she is such a wordsmith, which really gets me excited. Like it's very orgasmic for me words because I've got Mercury in Gemini um, and Gemini rules my ninth house. So for me, I love words and wordplay. And she was saying that the two words creator and reactor, I mean, they're all the same letters, you know, similar to listen and silent. So creator and reactor. And that really comes in. And I think that these are eight um, they equal eight because we had our 2024 panel interview on uh, all around the numerology of 2024, obviously, and they equal eight. And I think that that's so prevalent to these times. You're either creating or reacting, right? Like that. There's there's nearly nothing else that you're doing. You're cre you're the creator or you're the reactor, and both those words have the same letters and the same numerology, of course. So that was really interesting for me, and I think that. You know, it's the same with what we're in at the moment. November is another really big month. Um, October was really big for a lot of people. And if you listened a couple of weeks ago, I did share that actually it was a reflection on what's to come for 2024, which is quite um, daunting, I think, on many levels uh, collectively, as we know, with what's going on. Um, and November, we're in this nine month numerologically, you know, so we're actually clearing, we're clearing the year. Okay. So yes, December's the final month of the year, but this is the final numerological uh, energy of letting go, release, purge. Again, I've used that word a gazillion times in the past six weeks because we have been in this purge portal. Yes, the eclipse wormhole was when the eclipses were on, but now we're still in the aftermath of the eclipse, you know. So we finished with that full moon eclipse in Taurus and now we're winding down and pretty much for half of November, we're in the waning moon, meaning that the moon is still herself releasing banishing letting go disseminating like this is this is her final stages 
before she's reborn again with the new moon, which is also happens to be a death moon. I call Scorpio moons, death moons, Hades moons. Of course, they're Hades moons because they're related to um, Scorpio, the underworld, Pluto. And it's a very Plutonic new moon on the 13th. So I sort of want to just prep you for that um, and, and just sort of be really real about November. You know, it is another really big month. Like I said, it's a nine month. So we're actually really clearing the end of 2023. You know, there's a lot of death. There's a lot of uh, grief. There's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of depression. You know, it's in the collective psyche at the moment. We're feeling it. And, you know, we're still living. Yeah. Like we are still living. We wake up, we live. And I remember when my dad died and I've said this on this podcast many times before, and I will continue to stand by this. I live for those who can't. And when we are not living, but we are just existing, those people that aren't here anymore, that would fucking, that, that we want to be here, that we wish could be here to live, would they live differently if they got that other chance knowingly, right? Because of course we're all quantum past lives. We're living all of these things. Yeah. So the thing is, is that when you come here and choose to live and not just choose to exist, you know, for me, that's what, that was my legacy for my father. He is not here at 50 years of age. He was only 50. I mean, he would have turned 60 last year. So he's been gone for 10 years. And and so I live for him. He can't live anymore. He is living in a different paradigm and in a different world. And of course, you know, I still have a relationship with my my father's soul. Of course, my dad is the biggest archangel in the world for me and my family as you know, as there are many others, because as you all have known, I'm very open. We have been through a lot of grief and death in our family. Um, and so we are being supported from the other side and held and loved. So I will live, I will continue to choose to live and to, to be in gratitude, to be in awe, to be humbled. And we must die to live we must live to die right like that this is this rebirth cycle of course here I am what 10 minutes in I'm talking about death I mean come on it's Scorpio season um is there any other way (laughs) you know is there any other any other thing that I would talk about um so we are in Scorpio season. We're in Scorpio season. It's a nine month of purging, of letting go. And look, the liquid crystal of, of November is Peridot, uh, which is also the liquid crystal of September. So September and November have this resonance with the same crystal frequency. Now, Peridot is the bringer of joy. Now, if you know your name, Trinity, you may have Peridot in your name. Uh, if your name's Michelle or if it's Tiani, you know, we have Peridot in our name. Um, lots of other names do as well. Um, and for me, it's also my soul crystal. So it's my life purpose crystal on a numerological level for my name, Tiani. And if your name's Michelle, it's also, we have the same three crystals for our name, but it's also my soul crystal. So I have this double peridot and, and it actually means the bringer of joy. Peridot in the liquid crystals is the bringer of joy. It's like, it's, it's like the second sun. It's a real combination of the solar plexus chakra and the heart chakra, that green and yellow. It's a yes crystal. But what is the opposite of, of, of sublime joy and yes? It's depression. It's sadness. It's Peridot is the one of the most powerful crystals for depression. 
Um, and that sort of blows my mind because I am peridot, right? Like I am peridot. When you understand your liquid crystal name, Trinity, you know that you are dosing people with that liquid crystal all the time. And when it's your soul crystal and, and when you have your life purpose and your soul crystal the same, you know, you are here doing exactly what you're meant to be doing. I mean, that's how I knew to say that my, my soul crystal, when I asked Justin, was peridot because the hint from another liquid crystal, a beautiful liquid crystal soul, Miss Hugelite Judy, she, you know, shared that, you know, you will know your liquid crystal by it is your purpose here. And I'm like, well, I am my purpose. And I mean, as are you and as is everyone. I mean, everyone is their own purpose, but everyone still has a different contract. And for me, I was like, I have to be Peridot. It has to be my name purpose, which means my soul crystal trinity and my name trinity are exactly the same. And that is obviously rarer because I'm always not doing things in halves these days. Um, you know, when I come into this lifetime, um, not everyone's soul crystal will even have anything to do with their name trinity. Um, often, often, more often than not, it, 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 ha- it isn't actually. I've, I've very rarely seen someone's soul crystal actually align to their life purpose. Maybe two people or three in the hundreds of people I know. So the thing is, is that Peridot then in the absolute shadow is depression. So what is going to happen then on a collective scale whilst this liquid crystal is you know, is is energetically in the template of November and September. So again, there's going to be, you know, big joy or big low. Yeah. Like it's going to really feel like that for some people. And I think, what are we? It's the ninth today. We're nine days in. It's already, you know, quite big. And again, remember we're nine days in on a waning mood, moon coming off eclipses, coming off the big cataclysmic see you later, Taurus and Scorpio axis for nearly 10 years, right? Like this is a big deal, but we're still in eclipse season, darlings, you know? So the 13th comes and unfortunately, you know, these next two lunations, despite them not being bloody eclipses, aren't the most supportive. They're not these (laughs) divine, like, oh, yay, like I'm going to manifest. I'm going to do all these things. You, You want the hot tip? No, no, these are not the you know this is not the month to be manifesting and doing things like this this is the month to be super present about what you need to release what you need to let go of yes again and i know i keep banging on i'm preaching to the choir if you're already doing this shit or i'm you know i'm i'm banging on saying the same thing but that's because that is what november is november mars in his traditional rulership of Scorpio, pretty much for all of November. You know, Venus has just entered Libra. But what does that mean? That means that we've just been through that very huge, and as I shared with you, Libra season that isn't a normal, diplomatic, delicious Libra season. Hello, look at the look at the war that the world is in, right? Like that wasn't a beautiful Libra season. It was an ecliptic south node Libra season, okay? with the south node here. Now Venus is going to go through all of those degrees again. So she has just ingressed into Libra for the first time in ages, which is really good. It's it's around a year to 18 months that she comes back depending on her retrograde. And and this is delicious because she is at home and this is really going to soften you know, it, it will soften some edges, okay? But but at the same time she's going to meet up with the south node. You know, this this isn't just like, oh, yay, Venus is at home. Any time a planet now moves into Libra, there is a level of deep karma that needs to be served because 
Once that planet ingresses, the south node is right there going, right, let's go, you know, and that's what we experienced in October. And like I said, it's going to be different for everyone. Maybe you had a beautiful, delicious uh, eclipse season in October like I did, or maybe you're fucking still in the, the darkness as you traverse now the underworld, Eye of Mordor, you know, looking for that friggin' ring, you know, going through Lord of the Rings shit going over fiery bridges and actually one of the ladies in my um, Everyday Enlightenment course, which is my 12-month container, which I have only a few spots left for, which starts um, at the equinox, which is the astrological new year um, in 2024 in March. But this is, you know, this is a very potent container. This isn't, you know, this isn't something if you just want fluff and me sort of, again, blowing wind up your ass, it doesn't happen. Like this is diving into astrology, embodying astrology, having topics, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's a deep container. And as you can imagine, it's, you're working with me for 12 months. It's, it's not for the faint hearted, that's for sure. Um, and she said it was like um, when uh the the wizard guy sorry i don't know his name in lord of the rings i'm not as um i've probably watched harry potter a gazillion times lord of the rings like four because just sitting there for three hours you know it, it gets it gets a lot but i'm pretty sure it's in the first one and she just she just sort of said that there there was this feeling like when you know that main guy the main wizard guy the good one he is fighting that like demon thing and then you think he's fought him and then that fiery whippy tail bring like grabs his ankle and kills him and pulls him into that fiery underworld and and when she described that I was like yes you know just when you think something is done that little fiery whip grabs you by the ankles and I feel like that's November to be honest like I feel like that's November and for all of us we will all go through our own reckoning our own contracts our own karma you know that is what you, you know, if you're not comfortable in the deep, Scorpio season can often feel really difficult. But if you're a heavy Plutonian, heavy Scorpion, heavy eighth house, houseian like me, you know, this is sort of our world. We, we, we will dive into the darkness and hold your hand in the shadows. Like we don't care what you had for dinner or what your neighbor did yesterday. We want to know what makes your fucking heart bleed or what you are passionate about. You know, we're, we're, we're great conversationalists, but, you know, at a dinner party where everyone's just flitting around superficially, having someone like me at your table, you, you know, it, 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 it can be disruptive, right, or rebellious. Um, and if we're quiet, it's because we're observing. Don't, don't you worry about that. We are taking everything in. Um, and so for us, this is quite normal. But there is this, you know, this sense of just when you maybe think that you've done some work, that that whip of that, like that demonic tail, that fire comes and grabs the ankle and pulls you in. And when she described this, I was just like, yes, um, she might be listening to this. So thank you. You know, that was a great, great reference, Siobhan. Um, and, you know, and it is, it's like, yes, that's sort of what I think a lot of people have felt probably the entire 2020 through 2023. But like I said, 2023 is 2021 on steroids. And it has been really big for a lot of people. And this month is seeing the completion. Let's just, you know, let's just really give homage to that. Like this is a numerology nine month. What needs to be cleared out now? What needs to be let go? Because this new moon isn't like, yay, it's a new moon. Like it is a moon where some of the notes I've written here are volatile, explosive, emotional, reactive, unexpected. Okay. They're not like, yay, let's, let's plant new seeds on this new moon. And, you know, again, uh, you've got to understand new moons. You've got to understand full moons. They're not all for manifesting. Please know that. And whilst, yes, 
everyone on social media and people that don't really understand magic will have you um, seeding at every new moon, working with the eclipses and doing things like that. They don't understand magic. This is deep magic that we work with, with this lunation magic, with, with the feminine mother, with Lilith ladies and gentlemen, with fucking Lilith. Let me just be clear with that. Every new moon, yes, it's a new cycle, but it doesn't invite, yay, manifest, manifest. This is a very deep, dark new moon, which which finally gets us out of eclipse season. Okay, so this new moon, we're in Deacon 3 of Scorpio, which is the Seven of Cups. Venus is the ruler um, of this new moon, but Venus in Scorpio is in detriment. So we've got Venus in, you know, in Mars's, you know, in Mars's home sign. And you see this, you know, Venus and Mars, interesting relationship, right? Like they are the lovers, of course, um, feminine and masculine. Mars is in detriment in Venus's home sign and vice versa. So there's something really fascinating about this third deacon of Scorpio. Okay. So at the moment right now, as I'm speaking to you, we're in the second deacon. Okay. But this new moon, this death moon on the 13th of November, which is just coming up in a few days, is at 20 degrees of Scorpio. And I will be talking next week about the Mars Kazemi that's coming. I'll probably do a post and I will talk about that because that's something that's really in my field that's a very big deal as well, which is also in the third deacon of Scorpio. And I want to talk more about the third deacon of Scorpio. I've really, I've jumped on here. I miss you all. I want to prep you for this. Um, but there's so many things that I could talk about. So I'm I'm sort of just trying to hone in and be really succinct with what I share today um, as much as, you know, I can be. <laughs> um, so the seven of cups, you know, some of the words are around like, um, wishful thinking, illusion, fantasy, the unconscious, being ungrounded, you know, and that's really interesting. That's so, so, so see what I mean? Like what, that's what you're going to manifest on? <laughs> like that's the thing, like not all new moons invite manifestation. So this could be a new moon where you just deeply sink into your bones. This could be a new moon where you deeply sink into the bone truth of what you've just been through. You're coming out of the eclipse um, the, actually out of the eclipse season. Like I said, we are still in eclipse season. That's why um, just because we had that final eclipse doesn't go, okay, now we're done. No, no, no. The aftermath can sometimes be actually more brutal. And for, and personally, for so many, so many of us that I spoke to, there actually was a, a fair amount of people who really loved the eclipse wormhole, you know, from a, from the from the new moon eclipse to the full moon eclipse. Okay, so that's the wormhole, and and I was one of those people. Like like I said, October was sublime. However, you know, I was ratty as fuck on the eclipse day. I needed to swim in the ocean. I needed to put myself in a timeout because I was just a, a right little fucking mess. And and since then, there's a lot of stuff that's stirred up. It's like that little whip that's come and got us, because sometimes. It's the aftermath or it could be the application, which is the beginning. So, you know, maybe you're all good now, but actually before the eclipse season even started, like actually the eclipse wormhole before that new moon eclipse in um, Libra early October, maybe it was the two weeks before that you, that you felt that. So late September, which again is mirroring Peridot. So September 
prequel to eclipse season peridot then we did october october in the liquid crystals is agate botswana agate which is around breathing not reacting responding breaking addictions and you know i have been committed to some really positive present things that have really you know have been really great for me in october and now the aftermath of that eclipse we're back in peridot energy again haha see the little threads here see what's going on and this is the thing eclipse season is six weeks and next year my friends we have five eclipses we have an extra one there so that last final eclipse season is actually three eclipses so it is a long long end to 2024 when it comes to eclipses so so on the new moon you know this this deacon and and the ruler you know like the the, the aspects of this new moon are really quite big considering we have mars who is the traditional ruler of this eclipse um uh, sorry, this uh, new moon in, in Scorpio, this Hades new moon, this death new moon. And, it, and, and he just happens to be conjunct the new moon. So we've got the sun and moon at 20 degrees of Scorpio and Mars at 21, opposite Uranus at 21 Taurus. This is a time we're working with Uranus, who is chaotic, disruptive, Mars and Uranus oppositions. You know, Mars is war. Uranus is expect the unexpected. You know, you know, what else can we expect at this point? I mean, what's going on collectively is just traumatizing. It's uh, grief stricken. I don't know what more can come. I'm, you know, we're, we're, I think as astrologers, you know, we're hoping that Libra, that Venus and Libra is bringing some sort of diplomatic ceasefire. But fuck, you know, like Mars is the planet of war. He's in his home sign. You know, this new moon has Mars ex you know, nearly exactly conjunct the new moon opposite uranus which is it can be explosive it can it can be expect the unexpected hopefully you know this brings us into a two-week portal before the full moon later this month which is also a very foggy strange full moon gemini i mean gemini full moons often are let's just be honest anything gemini moon like oh my god um but uh, you know this this new moon in scorpio is really you know, a time. Is it a turning point? I don't know. And, but for me, it's like, just sit in it, just sit in it, expect the unexpected, be mindful. It feels ecliptic without it being an eclipse. That's the thing. When Uranus is involved in new or full moons, and not only is he involved, he's, he's opposite that new moon as well, but he's also opposite Mars. And Mars is bringing that different sort of energy. He's bringing the scorpionic energy to the nth degree like that's what he's doing you know just think mars is also in this deacon of seven of cups illusion what's unconscious and even still what i find really fascinating as well is that venus in libra who she's just moved in she is she is um in deacon one of 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 Libra look we've just been through all of the Libra stuff like I said Venus now is that last you know inner planet that has to move through those 29 degrees again so Deacon one of Libra one is the two of swords and remember the word swords has words in it hello we've got the Venus gate happening on the 10th which is the throat chakra hello I mean, hello, we've got Mercury changing signs into Sag. Hello, there it is. All of this communication stuff. Now, 
the two of swords again if you see you know she's blindfolded the moon's above her she's got that she's holding the swords swords words she's blind there's denial she's weighing something up feeling stuck this is all happening you know in this same time or well, it's happening you know we're, we're in this deacon now um for the first 10 degrees of libra and so again like there is this element of what are we blind to? What are we, you know, what what are we pursuing? Like, and something that I was reading with the Seven of Cups from one of my, you know, beautiful teachers is what we were with this with this deacon of the new moon on the 13th, it's trying to pursue beauty in the dying hour. It's the final deacon of Scorpio, the death deacon, you know, and and she related it to like an avocado and a rose. You know, you look at that rose and actually I'm going to relate it to the magnolias that I've been seeing on my walk. Fuck, they are magnificent. They open so incredibly. They're white. They're pristine. They smell like honey. They're the sweetest, sweetest, sweetest smelling flower. I've got a magnolia here and that is in absolute reverence and honour to my late, late, beautiful 39-year-old brother-in-law, Mark, who passed away. Uh, we all got magnolias, teddy bear magnolias in honour of him. That was his favourite flower and I can understand why. Um, so I smell that flower on my walk. I, I gaze at her. I let her teach me. And the next day she's she's wilted. And then the next day she's completely brown. And this is around the preservation, like the the what's dying, what can be so beautiful that pursuing beauty in the dying hour. I love that. And that's so Scorpio three, you know, like if you've got any planets between 20 and 29 degrees of um, Scorpio, uh, you know, you're, you're feeling me here. Like this is, this is, I have Uranus there. Uranus is exalted and he's at this degree, right? So Uranus is exalted in Scorpio. So a lot of my generation have Uranus in Scorpio. Um, I'm nearly at the end of it. My husband's born in early 82 and he's actually got Uranus in Sag, whereas I'm May of 91, um, 81. I've got Uranus at the end degrees of Scorp. And so I would assume that sort of late 81 Uranus moved into Sag or there was probably a retrograde or something there going on. So sort of, you know, seven years before me. So from in the 70s, we all have Uranus in Scorpio, which is uh, its place of exaltation, right? So, um, but if you've got if you've got any planets in Scorpio from that twenty to twenty nine degrees, this is the Deacon, and this is where this new moon is happening. And I, I love that she talked about the avocado because we know that the avocado can be perfectly ripe, but if we wait too long, it's dead. <laughs> it's black. It's gross. It stinks. I mean, I can't have any brown in my avocado. It, for me, it, it it changes the entire flavor, and I just go, oh, I've just missed it, you know. And it's just like missing the beauty of the magnolia because you know someone who may have not have seen that beautiful white pristine glorious youth of the magnolia they only seen her two days later when she was completely brown and again there's just this element of death the death cycle and you know what are you preserving uh what are you seeking to transform into something new can there be beauty in death so i really feel again this death moon that's happening on the 13th is also ecliptic it's expect something unique to transpire in the next cycle it's the first scorpio moon that hasn't been an eclipse for a while you know for 18 months so 
that's a big deal within itself. You know, every Scorpio moon that has sort of gone full and new over the past 18 months um, has been an eclipse. However, with Uranus involved, it feels ecliptic. It feels like there's an edge to it. It feels visceral. We can feel it tingling in our air because in our bones, in the air around us, in our ether, in our auric field. Yeah, like we can feel it. It's a felt new moon. It does bring us out of eclipse season, though. So, so we can rest assured then that we, you know, we don't have to, you know, again, effects from eclipses can be felt six months after the eclipse season, but we come out of eclipse season on the 13th. So we move, we, we transition there. Yeah. But yeah, this, this, this new moon is a, a big one. You know, I'm feeling the bone mother, you know, it feels even Saturian, I mean, even at this point, Saturn is still, you know, in Pisces at zero degrees. I mean, this year, Saturn moved into Pisces for the first time in 30 years. You know, this is a big move. Only got to seven degrees, then then retrograded all the way back to zero. From now until next year, Saturn moves all the way to 19 degrees, nearly getting to that third deacon. Yeah, so we're going to move completely out of the first deacon. We're going to move into completely different terrain. And I'm just mentioning Saturn because of this bone mother that I'm feeling. I'm feeling deep in the ache of the bones, in the cells, yeah, in the stories, in the library of our cells, what's sort of coming up, what's, what, what we've preserved. Are we pursuing the beauty in the dying hour? Can you seek to transform it into something new or words from my teacher? Not my words. These are two questions that she posed. Um, you know, and, and that, is, that is where my heart is going for this new moon. Not one to manifest or, you know, do anything like that. It's, you know, when we understand the magic around certain lunations we do different things with them. We don't just keep doing the same thing, thinking, oh, well, it's just another new moon. Oh, well, it's just another new moon. Where is 20 degrees in your own chart? Now, this Mars Kazemi is coming and it's a big one. You know, this is uh, Mars has not had, you know, a Kazemi, which is Mars and the sun meeting, which is, you know, a, a big part of the Mars cycle um, being burnt up in the heart of the sun. Um, at the moment, Mars is, you know, Mars is, uh, you know, hidden because it's it's close to the sun. We we we're not we're not seeing it. We're not feeling it. So even if you're feeling lethargic or tired or weary or foggy or confused or, you know, or, you know, or there's this deep undercurrent that you just can't put your finger on. Just I dreamt about Mars last night. It was so weird. I dreamt about Mars at the Kazemi. It's like I actually got full view of Mars moving over the sun. You know, which I know, you know, it doesn't astronomically happen like that. If you remember back many years ago, we actually had Venus pass the sun. Um, I, yeah, that was a really beautiful moment. And it was sort of like that in my dream, but not. It was very ecliptic, but it was like Mars was taking over the sun. And so I actually watched this. I took photos on my, my phone. I was actually checking my phone this morning just to see if something fucking downloaded because, you know, hello, magician, alchemy. Um, but when I was on my walk this morning, I'm like, wow, like that dream was so pertinent. And this Mars Kazemi is happening at 25 degrees of Scorpio. So only a few degrees away from where this new moon is. So there's some real edge and energy to, to what's going on in this coming week. 
Okay, we're feeling something deep in the undercurrents, in the in the underworld. We're feeling it and we don't need to name it or understand it intellectually. This isn't about rationalizing the feeling. You know, Scorpio archetype trusts the instinct. Remember that, you know, this is around trust in the unseen, the unknown, the mystery and the magic, but working with magic. Yeah, um, I posted something on my Instagram yesterday around sort of like whatever you like to know about magic is like whatever you focus on is what you see. And that's why people that, you know, have a lot of darkness, that's because that's where their intention is. That's where they're going. They allow those things to infiltrate their energy. And it's very interesting when you're working with magic and you're working with uh, medicina or you're in your own sort of you know your own vigil of of connecting to yourself and your shadow and like I shared a couple of weeks ago you know how Jung talks about wholeness this isn't about the shadow being separate from you this is about the wholeness yeah and I think that there's a real moment here in November yes we want to purge it's that nine month we want to release we want to let go um, I find you know, we want to, we, we want to cut those karmic cords. You know, Venus is now going to edge towards the South node. So more relationship stuff. It's, it's there. It's, it's on the, the precipice. It's happening. Yeah. Deacon one, the two of swords. What are you blindfolded to? What are you in denial of? What are you weighing up? How are you using your words? Yeah. And of course, this incredible new moon that I've banged on about. So that's, you know, there's the preparation. What you do with that is up to you. You know, you you know, as much as you think that you don't know what you're in denial of, you do. I see it in clients, in, in students all the time. They want permission from someone else outside of themselves to make a decision. Yeah, because if you make the decision, then you're responsible for that decision. And people don't want to deal with the consequences of their decisions, of their truth. So it's easier to eat the lies when we're hungry, to put the blindfold on like the two of swords and just pretend. And then coupling that with this, this two of swords blindfolded, you know, weighing things up, denials, stuck, those words. Then we move into the seven of cups, which is wishful thinking, illusions, fantasy in the unconscious. Again, there's, a, there's similar themes, different words, similar themes. Seven of cups, two of swords interesting dynamic that we've got playing out here for this new moon and also what's interesting like I mentioned earlier is that we're moving through the throat chakra venus gate now so from the 10th um you know we have venus ingress into her home sign of libra hallelujah this is delicious and then the moon also you know really softens that ingress you know really balances and harmonizes this ingress and this signature that we're going to this signature transit of venus in her home sign for the next few weeks with the moon just sort of lightly touching her you know and then we're going to see that morning kiss you know i must say that you can feel the difference with venus as a morning star and venus as an evening star the softening of the receptivity of that Venus evening star when we were seeing her at uh, on the evening, yeah, and now she's the morning star. There's the fire, Lucifer, Yang. It, it feels very, you know, it, you know, Libra is a masculine sign. 
just because it's ruled by Venus doesn't mean it's this feminine sign. It's actually masculine. It's air. It's yang. It's masculine. Venus in Libra and Venus in Taurus, the two home signs are very different feels. You, 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 like I meet people with Venus in Libra, very different to me, Venus in Taurus. You know, the embodiment is very different. You know, just think Venus in Libra is an air sign. Everything's very cerebral, filtered through the mind. Venus in Taurus is felt, it's embodied, it's in the bones, it's in the body, it's in the great mother. So we feel the difference here too, even with Venus as she rises with the sun, masculine, yang, fire, radiant, ra, light, God, Apollo. As, as the differences when she rises with the moon as the evening star, the lunar, the grandmother, the softening the receptive, the wanting to find balance. Venus as a morning star, very similar to Venus in Aries, which is actually my Venus star point. But, you know, even though I've got Venus in Taurus, Venus in Venus, my Venus star point is when Venus and the sun come together. So, so that it was Aries for me. And so I feel this, you know, real fire happening because I really feel like Venus in Aries, even though, well, I've got an underworld Venus in my chart. But, you know, even if you had an evening Venus um, star in your chart, but it was in Aries, there's still this very strong, you know, like energy of self, you know, the, the evening star is sort of that receiving, wanting love to be the recep reciprocity, you know, whereas Venus as a morning star, she's about me, you know, she's rising, she's with the sun, she's with the moon, but she's, she's the morning star because she's with the sunrise. So on the 10th um, here in Australia, Venus and the moon will come together to activate the next gateway, which is the throat chakra gate. Yeah. And again, what was Deacon one? The two of swords, swords and words. Yeah. They're this, they've got this, you know, swords has words in it. We're in the throat chakra. So we're really in an and bloody Mercury, planet of communication moves into friggin' Sag which is fire. <laughs> you know, I love Mercury and Sag. I know it's in detriment and fall and all the things, but I love Mercury and Sag. It's one of my, it is one of my favorite places for Mercury to be because they're truth tellers, they're bold, they're philosophical. They've got, you know, shooting stars going off in their brains and I love it in their minds. I've got ideas, they're, you know, future seeing, they're, you know, they're teachers and I, I love Mercury and, Mercury and Sag, even, even if it is a detriment. And so we've got Mercury changing signs. We've got the Venus gate and the throat chakra, Deacon one, all about the words. You know, so I just want to remind you about the words that you're speaking. Are they here to harm or heal? Are they white magic or black magic? You know, interestingly, there was like a meme that went around like November's about being quiet. And I'm like, mate, that I coined the whole fucking 2023 about shutting the fuck up. But I feel like, yeah, like people are being humbled and being quiet and receptive and being still, creating, not reacting, same letters, right? Like these are the things that are, we're being invited to sit with. And this is what this new moon, this new moon feels like just sitting by a fire or sitting in the ocean or in a lake or in a waterfall or on some stones and being super present with what's around, feeling old memories rise up, not having to know. You know, we're working with, again, here, words like wishful thinking, illusions, denial, 
being stuck, fantasy even, what's unconscious, deep in that hearth of Scorpio. So I invite you to check out where 20 degrees of Scorpio is in your own chart. That's where, you know, this is happening. Um, we come out of eclipse season, you know, go, you know, go back to look at that Libra house because Venus is about to, you know, to, to move through it in, a, again, a very different way. Venus, Venus isn't able to do probably what she usually does because the south node is there you know she's there's impending fucking doom right like she's like i'm moving closer to closer and closer to the south node i just want to be happy and harmonious and diplomatic and can't we all just get along and you know she's the peacekeeper especially in especially in her home sign of libra all of this makes her feel sick with worry and anxiety and she's now this impending doom of getting towards the south node. Don't expect this Venus in Libra to be like a normal Venus in Libra transit. She's hitting the south node and she does it again next year. Yeah. Um, like I said, there's more south node hits than north node hits. There's still a fair amount. Like they're, they're close, but there's actually more south node. I've looked at I've looked at all of those, even including asteroids and things. Yeah. So... So sit in this space, sit in your own bones, in your own story, in your own ritual because there is some unexpected energy around. There is some turbulence around you and if you allow turbulence around you to get within you, then you're not master of your own ship. You're not the captain of your own soul. You're not sovereign. You're not the pillar. You're not the anchor because you allow outside influences the turbulence of what's going on outside to affect you, to dictate how you show up, how you respond, yeah? And we do. We've got like the sun opposite Uranus, of course, Mars is opposite Uranus over the 10th and 11th, uh, the new moon's opposite Uranus. You know, it's a very Uranian time. Um, and, yeah, I really look forward to to coming back next next week and really diving into this Mars Kazemi. So I look forward to talking to you then. Also, last but not least, of course, we've got the 11-11 gate. And, again, I'm, you know, I've been working with numbers since I was a child. Um, and n- numerology for me holds frequency. This isn't like, oh, 8-8 manifest. Yeah, come and join my fucking blah, blah. Every single day we can manifest, of course, Right. We are magnificent magicians. We are creators. And I know this of all of us because you're alive. You're here. Yeah. But 1111 is a gateway. And when you look at 1111, it is. It's, it's gates. It's gates that you can walk through. It is the on, on the tree of life. That city 11 sits outside of the tree because it's a portal. And this 1111 day, in which happens on Saturday, so two days from today, is actually an 11 day. So everyone thinks that the 11th of the 11th is an 11 day. Well, it's actually not usually. If you add it all up, it's not an 11. Um, and it hasn't been an 11 for a long time. This year, we get it, of course, because, you know, why wouldn't we? It's still eclipse season. You know, we're in the throes of Mars opposite Uranus, the, the, this new Hades moon coming in to, you know, like the scorpion sting. <clears throat> but it's up to you if you're going to be the scorpion, the lower level, or if you're going to rise like the eagle, right? And see the bigger perspectives. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm just going to have a little sippy of coffee. Mm. So, so yes, this 11-11 is actually an 11 day. So really, 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 uh, you know, tuned in, tapped in energy 
on on master number days um and you know i'm a 33 um life path so master numbers have always been a thing for me not just because social media says so not because of the hype you know i'm not spinning around in the corner lighting fucking chakra candles to blah 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 and i'm not going to try and sell you anything you know people love to use these things and use astrological alignments to sell to you because all of a sudden you think you're going to be like yay i'm a part of this you know i'm a part of the the, the magic and then you do it and then your life's just exactly the same again but you're ten thousand dollars friggin less in your bank account right don't be sucked into the charlatan ways darlings do not be sucked in um, use the 1111 gateway, which, you know, happens to be an actual master number 11 day this month to really tune into what is landing for you because the build of the new moon is happening. Remember the moon is disseminating. It's, it's, it's purging. It's, it's slowly, slowly dying. And that is what this is. Pursuing beauty in the dying hour. What are you preserving? Are you transforming it into something new? Mm. The best three questions I've read in a long time. All right, loves. So much love. Sending you all the all the joy um, over this over this next week. And I will be back next week to talk all about this Mars Kazemi. Okay, bye.